Hi guys, thanks for tuning in. I hope you like the show. If you like the show, can you please give a rating and share with your friends and family? And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And back to the show. rabbit path and into a small copse of birch trees. Someone was sitting there reading. He looked up as they came. The two girls stopped in amazement. It was that boy again. But how had he got here? They had just left him behind in a trench. Anne looked at the title of the book he was reading. Goodness, what a learned title. Something about archaeology. Another little trick of yours, I suppose, said George sarcastically, stopping in front of him. You must be a jolly good runner, I must say, to have got here so quickly. Funny boy, aren't you? Very, very funny. Good gracious, it's those potty girls again, groaned the boy. Can't you leave me alone? You talked a lot of rubbish yesterday, and now you're talking it again. How did you get here so quickly? said Anne, puzzled. I didn't get here quickly. I came very slowly, reading my book as I went, said the boy. Fibber, said George. You must have run at top speed. Why do you pretend like this? It's only a minute or so ago that we saw you. Now you're the fibber, said the boy. I do think you two girls are awful. Go away and leave me alone and never let me see you again. Timmy didn't like the tone of the boy's voice, and he growled. The boy scowled at him. And just you shut up, too, he said. Anne pulled at George's sleeve. Come on, she said. It's no good staying here arguing. The boy's crazy. Mad. We'll never get any sense out of him. The two girls walked off together, Timmy following. The boy took absolutely no notice. His face was turned to his book, and he was quite absorbed in it. I've never met anyone quite so mad before, said Anne, rather puzzled. By the way, George, you don't suppose it could have been that idiotic boy last night in the cottage? No, I tell you, I think you dreamed it, said George firmly. Though that boy is quite idiot enough to explore an old cottage in the middle of the night. He would probably think it a very good time to do so. Oh, Anne, look, there's a pool in that hollow there. Do you think we could bathe in it? It certainly shone very temptingly. They went down to have a closer look. Yes, we'll have a swim this afternoon, said George. And then, I really think, Anne, we ought to go back to Kirin Cottage and get a few more provisions. The sandwiches we've got left are so dry that we really shan't enjoy eating them. And as Timmy's ear isn't healed, it looks as if we'll have to stay a bit longer. Right, said Anne, and they went on back to the camp. They changed into their swimsuits in the afternoon and went off to the little pool. It was fairly deep, very warm and quite clean. 
They spent a lovely hour swimming and basking and swimming again. Then they reluctantly dressed and began to think of going off on the long journey to Kirin Cottage. George's mother was very surprised to see the two girls and Timmy. She said, yes, of course, they could have some more food and sent them to ask Joanna for all she could spare. By the way, I've heard from Julian and Dick, she said. They're back from France and may be here in a day or two. Shall I tell them to join you or will you come back here? Tell them to come and fetch us as soon as they get here, said George, delighted. Her face shone. Ah, the five would be together again. How wonderful! Leave me directions to give them so that they can find you, said her mother. Then you can all come back together. The boys can help to carry everything. What fun! What fun! Julian and Dick again. Now things would be exciting. Things would happen as they always did. What fun! Chapter 6 Storm in the Night It was fun to go back to their little camping place again. It was growing dark as they had stayed to have a good meal at Kirin Cottage, and Timmy had eaten a most enormous plate of meat, vegetables and gravy. Then he had sat down and sighed as if to say, That was jolly good. I could do with some more. However, nobody took any notice of this, so he trotted off to have a good look round the garden to make sure it was just the same as when he had left it a day or two before. Then it was time to start back to the camping place, and Timmy heard George's whistle. Well, nobody laughed at Timmy this evening, said Anne. Not even your father. Oh, I expect Mother had told him not to, said George. Anyway, I said I would stay away till Tim's ear is better, and I mean to. Well, I'm quite willing, said Anne. The only thing I'm a bit worried about is, do you suppose there will be anyone snooping about in that old cottage again? You dreamed it all, said George. You admitted you did. Well, yes. I did wonder if I had dreamed it, said Anne, as they walked up the long Carter's Lane to the moor. But now that it will soon be dark, I'm beginning to think I didn't dream it, and it isn't a very nice feeling. Oh, don't be silly, said George impatiently. You can't chop and change about like that. Anyway, we've got Timmy. No one would dare to upset Timmy, would they, Tim? But Timmy was ahead hoping against hope that he might for once in a while catch a rabbit. There were so many about on the common at this time of the evening, peeping at him here, making fun of him there, and showing their little white bobtails as soon as he moved in their direction. The two girls got safely back to their camp. The tent was still up, their heather bed out in the open, covered with the old rug. They put down their loads, thankfully, and went to the little spring for a drink. George yawned. Oh, I'm tired. Let's get to bed at once, shall we? Oh, wait. Perhaps it would be a good idea to have a look in that cottage to make sure no one is there to disturb us tonight. Oh, no. I don't want to look, said Anne. It's getting dark now. All right, I'll go with Timmy, said George, and off she went. 
She came back in about five minutes, her little torch shining in front of her, for it was now almost dark. Nothing to report, she said. Nothing whatever, except one bat flying round that big room. Timmy nearly went mad when it flew down and almost touched his nose. Oh, that's when he barked, I suppose, said Anne, who was now curled up on the heather bed. I heard him. Come on, George. I'm sleepy. I must just look at Timmy's ear once more, said George, and shone her torch on it. Well, buck up then, said Anne. That's about the thousandth time today you've examined it. It does seem much better, said George, and she patted Timmy. I shall be glad when I can take this awful collar off him. I'm sure he hates it. I don't believe he even notices it now, said Anne. George, are you coming or not? I really can't keep awake one minute more. I'm coming, said George. No, Tim, you are not sleeping on our bed. I told you that last night. There's hardly enough room for Anne and me. She climbed carefully onto the heather bed and lay looking up at the twinkling stars. I feel happy tonight, she said, because Julian and Dick are coming. I was down in the dumps when I thought they might not be coming at all, these holes. When do you suppose they'll be here, Anne? There was no answer. Anne was asleep. George sighed. She would have liked to plan what they were going to do when the boys came. Timmy's ear would surely be all right in a day or two, and the boys could carry everything back from this little camp to Kirin Cottage. And then long days of swimming and boating and fishing and all kinds of fun could begin. 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 Be. And now George was asleep too. She didn't feel a small spider running over her hand, wondering whether or not to spin a web between her finger and thumb. She didn't hear the scramble of a hedgehog not far off, though Timmy did, and pricked one ear. It was a very peaceful night indeed. Next day, the girls were very cheerful. They made a good breakfast of some of the food they had brought, and then spent some time getting more heather for their bed, which, under the weight of their two bodies, was now rather flat and uncomfortable. Now for a swim, said George. They put on their swimsuits, threw cardigans over their shoulders, and set off to the little pool. On the way, they saw Jet, the little mongrel dog in the distance, and the boy with him. Jet tore up to them and danced round Timmy excitedly. The boy called to them. It's all right, don't worry. I'm not going near your place. I'm still keeping my promise. Jet, come here. The girls took no notice of the grinning boy, but couldn't resist patting the little one-eyed mongrel. Jet really was like a piece of quicksilver, darting in and out and round about. He shot back to the boy at once. The girls went on to the pool and stopped in dismay when they came near. Someone was already there. "'swimming vigorously. "'Who is it?' said Anne. "'Dear me, this lonely common seems absolutely crowded with people.' "'George was staring at the swimmer in utmost amazement. "'Anne, it's that boy,' she said. "'Look, tousled hair and everything. "'But, 
just met him going in the opposite direction, said Anne, also amazed. How extraordinary! No, it can't be the boy. They went a little nearer. Yes, it was the boy. He called out to them. I'm just going out. I shan't be a minute. How did you get here? shouted George. We never saw you turn back and run. I've been here for about ten minutes, shouted back the boy. Fibber, yelled back George at once. Ta, barmy as usual, yelled the boy. Same as yesterday. He got out and walked off, dripping wet, in the direction of the trenches and pits which he was digging. George looked about for Jet, but she couldn't see him. Perhaps he's in the pool too, she said. Oh, come on, Anne, let's swim. I must say that that boy is extraordinary. I suppose he thinks it's funny to meet people, then double back and appear again. He was nicer the first time of all that we saw him, said Anne. I liked him then. I just don't understand him now. Oh, isn't this water lovely and warm? They had a long swim, got out and basked in the sun, lying on the heather, and then swam again. Then they began to feel hungry and went back to their little camping place. The day passed quickly. They saw no more of the puzzling boy or of Jet. They occasionally heard the sharp noise of metal on stone or of chipping from the place where the boy was presumably still digging in the old Roman camp. Or what he hopes is an old Roman camp, said George. Personally, I think he's so mad that I don't suppose he would know the difference between a Roman camp and a Boy Scouts camp. They settled down on their heather bed that night, but saw no stars twinkling above them this time. Instead, there were rather heavy clouds, and it was not nearly so warm. Gosh, I hope it's not going to rain, said George. Our tent wouldn't be much good against a real downpour. We could squeeze into it all right, but it's not a proper waterproof tent. Do you think it's going to rain, Anne? No, said Anne sleepily. Anyway... I'm not getting up till I have to. I'm tired. She went to sleep, and so did George. Timmy didn't, though. He had heard the far-off growl of thunder, and he was uneasy. Timmy was not afraid of thunderstorms, but he didn't like them. They were things that growled like enormous dogs in the sky, and flashed angrily. But he could never get at them, or frighten them. He closed both eyes and put down one ear, leaving the other one up, listening. Another thunder growl came, and one large and heavy drop of rain fell on Timmy's black nose. Then another fell on his cardboard collar, and made a very loud noise indeed, startling him. He sat up, growling. The rain came closer, and soon large drops, the size of tenpenny pieces, peppered the faces of the two sleeping girls. Then came such a crash of thunder that they both awoke in a fright. Blow! It's a thunderstorm, said George. And pouring rain, too. We shall be soaked. Better get into the tent, said Anne, as a flash of lightning forked down the sky and lit up everything with a quick brilliance. No good, said George. It's soaked already. There's nothing for it but to get into the cottage, Anne. At 
At least we'll have a roof over our heads, or rather, a ceiling, for the roof's gone. Come on. Anne didn't in the least want to shelter in the old cottage, but there was absolutely nothing else to do. The girls grabbed their rug and ran through the rain, George flashing her torch to guide them. Timmy ran too, barking. They came to the doorway of the cottage and went inside. What a relief to get out of the rain! The two girls huddled down into a corner, the rug round them, but soon they were too hot and threw it off. The storm passed overhead with a few terrific crashes and much lightning. Gradually, the rain grew less and soon stopped. One star came out, and then others followed as the thunderclouds swept away in the wind. We can't go back to the tent. We'll have to stay here, said George. I'll go and get our bags for pillows. We can lie on the rug. Anne went with her and carried a bag back too. Soon, the girls were lying in a corner of the rug, their heads on the bags, and Timmy close beside them. Good night, said Anne. We'll try to go to sleep again. Blow that storm. Soon, they were both asleep, but Timmy wasn't. Timmy was uneasy, very uneasy. And quite suddenly, he broke into a volley of such loud barks that both girls woke up in a panic. Timmy, what's the matter? Oh, Tim, what is it? cried George. She clutched his leather collar and held on to him. Don't leave us, Timmy. What scared you? Chapter 7 Strange Happenings Timmy stopped barking and tried to get away from George's hand on his collar, but she would not let him. George was not easily frightened, but what with the thunderstorm, the strange old cottage, and now Timmy's sudden excitement, she wanted him near her. What is it? asked Anne in a scared whisper. I don't know. I can't even imagine, said George, also in a low voice. Perhaps it's nothing. Just the thunderstorm that has upset him and made him nervous. We'll keep awake a bit and see if we hear anything peculiar. They lay quietly in their corner, and George kept a firm hand on Timmy. He growled once or twice, but did not bark any more. George began to think it really must have been the storm that had upset him. A rumble of thunder came again. The storm was returning, or else another one was blowing up. George felt relieved. It's all right, Anne. It must have been the thunder and lightning in the distance that upset Timmy. It was silly Timmy scaring us like that. Crash! Rumble! Crash! Yes, certainly the storm was gathering force again. Timmy barked angrily. Be quiet! You make more noise than the thunder, said George crossly. No, you can't go out into the rain, Timmy. It's begun again as bad as before. You'd only get dripping wet, and then you'd want to come and sit as close to me as possible and make me wet too. I know you. No, don't let him go, George, said Anne. I like him here with us. My word, what a storm. I hope it won't strike this cottage. Well, considering that it must have stood here for three or four hundred years, 
and have seen thousands of storms. I expect it will come safely through one more, said George. Where are you going, Anne? Just to look out of the window, said Anne, or out of the place where the window used to be. I like to see the countryside suddenly lit up for just one moment in a lightning flash and then go back to darkness again. She went to stand at the window. There came the crash of thunder, not very far away, and a brilliant flash of lightning. Anne stared over the countryside, which had suddenly become visible in the flash, and then disappeared like magic in a second. Anne gave a sudden cry and stumbled back to George. George! George! Whatever's the matter? asked George, alarmed. There's someone out there! People! said Anne, clutching George and making her jump. I saw them just for an instant when the lightning flashed. People? What sort of people? said George, astonished. How many? I don't know. It was all so quick. I think there were two or maybe three. They were standing some way off, quite still, out there in the storm. Anne, those are trees, said George scornfully. There are two or three small trees standing against the sky out there. I noticed them the other day. These weren't trees, said Anne. I know they weren't. What are people doing out there in this storm? I'm frightened. George was absolutely certain that Anne had seen the group of little trees that she knew were there. They would look just like people in a quick flash of lightning. No sooner did you see something in a storm than it was gone. She comforted Anne. Don't worry, Anne. It's the easiest thing in the world to imagine seeing things in a lightning flash. Timmy would bark if there were people around. He would. Well, he did bark, didn't he? said Anne. He woke us both up with his barking. Oh, yes, but that was just because he heard the storm coming up again, said George. And you know he gets angry when he hears the thunder growling. Just at that moment, the thunder crashed again. Then the lightning flashed its weird and brilliant light. This time, both the girls screamed, and Timmy gave an enormous bark, trying his hardest to get away from George. There! Did you see that? said Anne in a shaky voice. Yes, yes I did. Oh, Anne, you're right. Someone was looking in at the window. And if we saw him, he must have seen us. Whatever is he doing here in the middle of the night? Well, I told you I saw two or three people, said Anne, still shakily. I expect it was one of them. Maybe they saw the cottage in one of the lightning flashes and thought they might shelter here and sent one of their number to see. Maybe. But what in the world is anyone doing wandering about here at night, said George. They can't possibly be up to any good. Let's go home tomorrow, Anne. Oh, I wish the boys were here. They'd know what to do. They would have some good plan. The storm's going off again, said Anne. Timmy has stopped barking too, thank goodness. Don't let him go, George. You never know. Those people, whoever they are, might do him harm. Anyway, I feel safer when he's with us. I wouldn't dream of letting him go, said George. You're trembling, Anne. You needn't be as scared as that. Timmy won't let you come to any harm. I know, but it wasn't very nice suddenly seeing somebody looking in at the window like that. 
outlined in a lightning flash, said Anne. I can't possibly go to sleep again. Let's play some silly game to take our minds off it. So they played the alphabet game with animals. Each had to think in turn of an animal beginning with A, and a mark went to the one who could keep it up longest. Then they went on to B, and to C, and to D. They were doing the E's when they heard a loud and very comforting sound. <laughs> Timmy's snoring, said George. He's fast asleep. What an elephantine snore, Tim. Eve elephant, said Anne quickly. Cheat! That should have been my E, said George. All right. E for Eland. E for... Egg eater, said Anne after a pause. Not allowed. You made that up, said George. My mark. By the time they got to M... Anne was two marks ahead, and the dawn was breaking. It was a great relief to the two girls to see the silvering of the sky in the east and to know that soon the sun would be up. They immediately felt much better. George even stood up and went bravely to the window, where there was nothing to be seen but the quiet countryside outside, with its stretches of heather, gorse bushes and silver birches. We were silly to be so scared, said George. I don't think we'll go back home today after all, Anne. I hate running away from anything. The boys would laugh at us. I don't care if they do, said Anne. I'm going back. If the boys were here, I'd stay. But goodness knows when they'll come. It might not be till next week. I'm just not staying here another night. All right, all right, said George. Do as you like. But for goodness sake, tell the boys it was you who wanted to run away, not me. I will, said Anne. Oh dear, now I feel sleepy all over again. I suppose it's because daylight is here and everything seems safe, so I know I can fall asleep. George felt the same. They cuddled down together on the rug again and immediately fell asleep. They did not wake till quite late, and even then something woke them or they might have slept on for hours, tired out with their broken night and the fright they had had. They were awakened by something scuttling round them, making a very loud noise indeed. Then Timmy barked. The girls awoke and sat up rather dazed. Oh, it's Jet, said Anne. Jet, have you come to see if we're all right, you dear funny little one-eyed thing? Woof, woof said Jet, and rolled over on his back to be tickled, his long, thin tail wagging all the time. Timmy leapt on him and pretended to eat him. Then a loud voice called to them. They looked up. The boy was standing at the door, grinning widely. Hello, sleepyheads. I came to see if you were all right after that awful storm. I know I promised I wouldn't come here, but I felt a bit worried about you. Oh, well, that's nice of you said Anne, getting up and brushing the dust from her skirt. We're quite all right, but we had rather a peculiar night. We... She got a hard nudge from George and stopped suddenly. George was warning her not to say anything about the people they had seen or the person at the window. Did she think they might have anything to do with this boy? Anne said no more, and George spoke instead. 
Wasn't it a dreadful storm? How did you get on? All right. I sleep down in a trench, and the rain can't get at me. Well, so long. Come on, Jet. The boy and the dog disappeared. That was nice of him, said Anne. He doesn't seem crazy this morning, does he? Quite normal. He didn't even contradict us. I think I quite like him after all. They went to their soaked tent and got a tin of sardines out to eat with bread and butter. Just as they were opening it, they heard someone whistling and looked up. Here comes that boy again," said Anne. "Good morning. I don't want to butt in, but I just wondered if you were all right after the storm," said the boy, without even a smile. The girls stared at him in amazement. "Look, don't start being crazy all over again," said George. "You know jolly well we're all right. We've already told you. You haven't, and I didn't know," said the boy. "Well, I only came out of politeness." Sorry to see you're still barmy, and off he went. There," said Anne, vexed. "Just as we thought he was nice again and not crazy, he starts all over again. I suppose he thinks it's funny, silly ass." End of side three. Hi guys, Kev here. Just want to say a big thank you for subscribing and listening to the podcasts. If you're new here, welcome to the pod. Now back to the story. And once again, thanks very much.